Well, good morning, New City. Good. Well, so uh, it's good to be with you all. My name is Heath Zuniga, and I am, uh, my family and I, we're planting a church in Kissimmee. Uh, the name of our church is Kissimmee Fellowship, and similar to, to you all here at New City is that we are a daughter church of Covenant uh, Prez Palm Bay. And uh, as, as the announcement was made earlier, you'll, if you take one of those financial statements, you'll see that your church, that you all financially give to my church. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Uh, so thank you so much for your generosity. It, is, uh, it has blessed us uh, tremendously. And so thank you. Um, and so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to look at a text in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 18 to 25. And so the, the text will be on the screen, but let me go ahead and, and read it this morning for all of us. So while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. And they were mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for this text. Lord, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the chance that every single week as we gather, we get to sit under the authority of the word of God. And so this morning, Lord, I I pray that the Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate the scriptures, that you would help us to understand, that you would bring clarity to the meaning of the text, to the person of Jesus, that all of us might see Jesus more clearly together this morning. And all of us, Lord, might learn what it looks like to follow him together this morning as well. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. And so I remember uh, this was back in early of 2020 when my wife and I, we were still in central Ohio at the time, and we were asking the Lord and, and praying and discerning where he would have us start a church. And I remember coming across this article, uh, it made national news. It was about the Star Motel along the 192 corridor in Kissimmee, Florida. And I remember reading about just this, this star motel and just seeing pictures of how people were crammed, how several adults and children were crammed into one small motel room, how the, the motel was old and decrepit. And I remember seeing this picture of the pool and the pool was black and it was overgrown, and it was just this, this story that was being covered of families that didn't have many other options or places to go, that they were living in this inhumane, 
in inhumane conditions. And I remember just thinking to myself back in central Ohio, you know, what, what would it look like for uh, the church to be a part of the solution of providing safe places, safe homes for families to live in? Because I remember reading that article and just thinking to myself, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like, this is not the way that it's supposed to be. Image bearers of God living in these, these living conditions, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And so have you ever looked out in society? Have you ever looked even in your own heart or come across the news and you've thought to yourself, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. There was just this, this brokenness that, that exists. And I began to just continue to ask, man, what, what would it look like for, for more churches to be started in this area that would actually move not away from the brokenness, but actually toward it in love, in the truth of the gospel that would compel us to move towards the brokenness. And so we would end up moving to Central Florida in uh, June of 2020. So last year, no, June of 2021, sorry. Uh, Dates are all confused. And so we moved here last summer. And over the last really years, what I've been doing is I've just been been meeting with just hundreds of people in Osceola County, in the city of Kissimmee. And I've been meeting with people. I've been meeting with college students and government officials and nonprofit leaders and ministry leaders and other pastors and, and just anyone that's willing to sit down and have a meeting with me, I take a meeting with them. And I've just been asking them questions. Hey, I'm the outsider. Would you tell me about your city? Would you tell me about what you love about Kissimmee? Would you tell me about some of its challenges? Would you tell me about some of your hopes and dreams that you have for your family that that lives here? And so as I'm sitting there listening, and, and so this is very important, these meetings were always over food. And so if we would uh, have breakfast, it was cafe con leche and quesitos. And then if, if it was over the lunch hour, we would, ha- we would have pollo quisado. And it was, it's been delicious. And so I've had to exercise a lot. And so, uh, but, but yeah, as I'm sitting and listening to these stories, I'm, I'm hearing both these stories of the beauty that exists in Kissimmee, but also the brokenness. I'm hearing both of these things time and time again. I'm hearing, hearing stories about just the beauty of, of, of just what uh, college students that I've talked with that just have hopes and dreams and aspirations for the future. Many of them first-generation college students that, that are uh, attending Valencia Osceola. I've just seen stories of, of, of families that have not originally from Central Florida and Kissimmee that have moved here to start restaurants and businesses and, and construction companies. They take great pride in their work. They work really, really hard And they take great pride in where they're from, often Latin America and the Caribbean. And I've heard stories of brokenness, too, from from different educators and and teachers that I've met with. They've talked about the 5,000 homeless students that are in the Osceola County School District. 5,000 homeless students. Let that sink in. I've heard stories about just the food insecurity. And I know inflation has, right, affected all of us. 
But think about these, these food pantries that inflation has is, is just skyrocketed the price of food. And these food pantries now have bare shelves because they can no longer afford to purchase the food that they once were able to. And so there's food insecurity. And then there's, you know, just kind of the growing pains that you see all throughout the state, but just, just battles and opinions over infrastructure and different development projects. It's just these stories of beauty and brokenness, these stories that I've heard from the people and the faces of, of folks that live in Kissimmee. Have, have, the Lord has just used these, these individuals and these stories to just grow my heart for a people, for this particular people and this particular place. And so I remember from a seminary, there's a quote by one of my professors that just said something that I'm, I'm never going to forget. He said, uh, he said this, and this is on, on the slide, Dr. Michael Williams. He said that when, where, uh, whenever human beings feel that things are not as they're supposed to be, that something is not qu- quite right in their life or society, the kingdom of God is what they're hoping for. I'm going to read that again. Where, whenever human beings feel that things are not as they're supposed to be, that something is not quite right in their life or society, the kingdom of God is what they're hoping for. And now, friends, these individuals and families may not describe it that way, but think with me just for a second. If you look out and see corruption or the abuse of power that exists in society, what you want instead of corruption is, is generosity, right? You want, you want things to be just. You want things to be made right, And if we trace that back to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is this place, right? This this, uh, kingdom that Jesus is ushering in here on this earth where, where where there is not corruption, but where corruption exists, that there would be generosity or where that there's poverty, there might be abundance. And so when you think about just the brokenness that exists in your life or loneliness or isolation, what people are looking for is deep, meaningful relationships. That's what the kingdom of God and the king, Jesus, are able and do bring on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is what people are looking for. They're looking ultimately for the king that is ushering in his kingdom. And so this morning, as we look at our text here in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he has just been tempted, and now he is building his ministry team. He's inviting others to follow him, and he's asking his ministry companions to engage with him in the brokenness that exists in the world. And so I I look at a text like this, and I, I just... I see, you know, to put it simply is I think what Jesus is doing here and in a lot of other calling narratives in the other gospel accounts is that Jesus is introducing us to the culture of his ministry. He's showing us how he's going about building and ushering in his kingdom. And the culture of his ministry this morning, which, so it's two points that we're going to consider this morning, is that Jesus showing us what it looks like to minister through the word— through the word of God, through Jesus's words, and what it looks like for Jesus to minister through deeds. And so word and deed, you see there's this beautiful marriage all throughout Jesus's earthly ministry of Jesus proclaiming and Jesus healing, word and deed. And so first, let's consider the ministry of the word. 
And so now uh, we see kind of two characteristics that Jesus is showing us or demonstrating to us with the word. We see the power of Jesus's word and we see the purpose of Jesus's word. And so let's first talk about the power of Jesus's word. So we begin in verse 18 and Jesus is calling two sets of brothers to follow him. And Jesus, he walks by and he calls them by the power of his word. And what does the text say? It says, immediately they left. Immediately they left. And one of the things that I just love about this narrative is that the reason Jesus chooses these men is not because these men are upstanding citizens. It's not because they pay their bills on time or love their abuelas. Like, no, it is not because of any of that. It is solely rests on Jesus's choosing by the power of his word. So when Jesus makes disciples and he calls us to follow him, it's not on just any potential that you and I might have or any inherent goodness that we might possess because we're sinful and flawed and actually enemies of God. No, Jesus calls us not based on our potential, but solely on on his word, on his decree, on his choosing of us to follow him. It's the power of Jesus's word that you see here. For instance, as as a father, there are just certain words or certain phrases that I can use around the house that is going to instinctively get results with my children. They're seven, five, and two. And so I can tell them, hey, we're going to have ice cream and movie time. And do you think they're going to get excited about that? absolutely. Like their disposition is going to change. It's going to be the best day of their life. You know, if they're upstairs, they'll come running down the stairs. Like they'll actually change their physical location based on my words and what I say. But then if again, if I say, well, but first, you know, we have to clean up, right? Family, family cleaning up hour. They're going to be like, no, I ain't coming to that. Right. And so, and so just the words have power. And so it is with Jesus's word here in this text. There's a a theologian, his name's uh, Frederick Bruner. He says this on God's word. He says, the effectiveness of Jesus's word depends on getting this word out and letting it, it's up on the screen, and letting it do its work. Do you hear that? The effectiveness of God's word just depends on getting this word out and letting it do its work. It's work. Do you see how foundational the word of God is for any, for any ministry that we're doing, any relationships, any way that we view the world? The foundation, folks, for us is the word of God. That there is power here, friends. Power. So there's also purpose of God's word, that Jesus's uh, word comes to us in power, but also it it reveals a purpose. Look with me uh, in verse 19. This is what he says very, very famously. You've heard this before, right? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
Jesus says, I will make you. When Jesus says that, he's speaking to the future. He's speaking to a, a process of something that doesn't happen overnight, but that as we follow Jesus, he will make us into fishers of men. Now, rabbis in the first century, when a Jewish rabbi invited and said, hey, follow me, what this meant in the first century was, hey, become, come and become my students. Come and be my apprentice. Join my school. Live with me. It wasn't merely just hearing lectures and information and data. It was actually life on life. There's purpose here. When Jesus says, I will make you, it's this this process of learning that, that doesn't happen overnight of what it means to be fishers of men. For instance, Think about it this way. I feel like I would uh, not be doing this text pastoral justice if I did not uh, explain and use some fishing story or metaphor or analogy. And so here it is. But think about this. Like the best fishermen, they didn't begin fishing yesterday, did they? They've they've been fishing for years. It's this art and this science that that they've learned to consider all of these factors, right? The time of the day, the bait or the lures that they would use, the strength of the line. I didn't even know that was a thing, the strength of the line, right? Like I did not know that. Or where to cast uh, the line or, or the lure. It just was this art and science that was learned over time. I mean, the last time I went fishing, it was uh, probably in, in late July, and we were fishing along the shore, and I hadn't fished, friends, I hadn't fished in like 10 years. And so I'm glad that I didn't have anyone within 20 yards of me, because I was just I was just whipping that thing all over the place, right? And then uh, inevitably, my line just got so tangled And one of my buddies, uh, who I would say is a very, very good fisherman, came over, took my rod. I think I was holding the rod the wrong way, right? It's it's embarrassing, really. But he like he helped me, right? It was just this this process of of learning what it looks like for 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 me to fish, and it's this process that doesn't happen overnight. And and it's it's like this with following Jesus when he says, "I will make you." It's this future. It's this future implication, this process of learning what it means to follow Jesus. And so the power and the purpose of God's word. The power is to get, is to, is to get God's word out and let it do its work. And its purpose is, is teaching us what it means to follow Jesus, that we might be his ministry companions in a world that is broken that we might proclaim salvation to those that, that don't know who Jesus is. Power and purpose. And so when we experience and encounter the brokenness that exists in this world, you don't have to look far. You just look within. You look within. And when we just encounter that brokenness that exists of just like, man, why is it that, that as of lately that, I have just been grumbling. What is going on in my heart that I'm grumbling to God? I'm grumbling about this. I'm grumbling about that. What, what brokenness exists there within me just this week? Where I'm just struggling with that. 
What does repentance look like for me in these moments to be, to have a heart that goes from grumbling to a heart that gratitude. And so when we encounter this brokenness that exists, when things aren't the way they're supposed to be, like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to grumble, right? And so, Lord, would you, would you change me? Would you, would you come? And, and when I just feel overwhelmed by this, and when you might feel overwhelmed by your sin, or just the news, different news stories that you might hear, or just uh, things happening in the community, and you're like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. What are we supposed to do? Where do we turn to? To whom do we turn to? Well, friends, this morning, you, you know where I'm going with this, right? I, I want to encourage you to return to the word of God, to return and turn to the person of Jesus and the scriptures. That when we gather here on Sundays, it is, it is so important that we, we hear a, a call to worship where God's word, where God invites us to worship him through his word. The songs that we sing that are theologically accurate that Ben and McCartney put together so that we might be led in worship together through, the, through singing of, of song based on the truths of, of scripture. When we take time to confess our sins in our community groups or city groups and and to hear and just to be reminded of the gospel and the assurance that we have in Christ for the forgiveness of sins and that his righteousness is now our righteousness, that we are treated just as if we've never sinned. When we, we, we need the word of God to remind us about just the truths of who Jesus is. So we gather here on co- corporately on Sundays so that we might be equipped personally uh, Monday through Saturday. What this also means so personally is that, that I, I know the challenges and the pressures of, of fitting in just regular times meditating on the word of God. But we have to help one another spend regular time in God's word. I love what, uh, what, what Pastor uh, Tim Keller says. He says this, I, I think we have it on the screen here. He says uh, that the means of grace, so that's uh, our Presbyterian way of saying prayer and the word of God and the sacraments. So the means of grace are God's way of helping us live in a world that isn't easy to live in. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful that, that, that God, through prayer and the, the word and the sacraments, they are God's resources, his tools, his way of helping you and I live in a world that is, isn't easy to live in. That's wonderful. And so, so friends, as, as I want to invite you this morning for, for all of you to, to come to God's word as you are. Come to the word of God in your belief that your faith might be strengthened. Come to the word of God in your unbelief so that you might have faith. Come to God when you uh, are fatigued and tired so that through God's word you might persevere. Come to God's word in your joy so that your heart can well with gratitude and thanksgiving giving and and celebration. Come to God's word with your questions so that you might have more theological clarity about what it is you believe and why you believe it. Come to God's word full of your need because Jesus wants to nourish your soul. Come to God's word and let its power do 
its work. The ministry of the word, Jesus introducing the culture of his ministry, talking to us about the ministry of his word, but also uh, the ministry of deeds. Again, this marriage of just the ministry of, of word and deed. So look with me in verses uh, 23 through 25. I'll, I'll read it again for us here. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people and so that his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And he brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and the paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Jesus went teaching throughout all of Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus's concerns that you see is with the mind and the heart. And this is, yes, where he begins, but it's also the physical needs. Jesus also cares for the physical needs. And he shows, this, he shows this pattern to us, this value all throughout his ministry. Uh, again, uh, Bruner, he says this. He says uh, in this, this part of the text, he says, we see again Jesus, the physician at work on the whole range of the human condition. The whole range. I love that. He heals those with organic and psychic and nervous diseases. He heals anyone in torment. If Jesus, yes, is indeed the savior of the cosmos, then that also means that he's savior of the human body. That he's savior of the human body, that Jesus is showing us just the gospel of the kingdom, this, this marriage of word and deed. And so throughout, and so throughout these appointments that I've had with folks in, in Kissimmee, they've afforded me the privilege of sitting across the table and just hearing stories of, uh, for instance, the Hope Center, which is this uh, nonprofit that exists to provide everybody a, a safe home. Or I've heard stories from uh, an organization called uh, the Migrant Journey, which uh, helps, helps f- f- uh, migrants and, and immigrants uh, who have relocated to Central Florida have a circle and network of, of, of support and care and friendship. And I've had the opportunity to also meet with the mayor of, of Kissimmee, uh, Senora uh, Olga Gonzalez, and she has started a food pantry to help fight the food insecurity that exists in Osceola County. And so I've seen all these just beautiful, just deed examples, and, and, and all of these women that I've met with that are leading these institutions are, are, are Bible-believing Christians. And it, it is just, you know, I just you know, Jesus might be calling you to start a nonprofit, but, but maybe not. But if you just think about just that seed of where this, in, the, in this story of all these nonprofits, where that began, it began because the gospel and the person of Jesus produced in these women compassion. It changed their heart from a heart of, of self-preservation, of, of self-protection, of, of selfishness into a heart that is compassionate, to a heart that that is others-centered. And so it's just this beautiful story of just these all these examples that I get to see and hear 
that if we never, if we never even moved to Central Florida, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have heard of all these wonderful stories. And so it's just, it's just this beautiful part. I love this part about, about the work that God's calling us to. And so, friends, the Word of God, Jesus shows us that this culture of ministry of the Word, culture of ministry through through deeds. It's this gospel of the kingdom, that there would be this marriage, again, of both word and deed. That every time we look throughout the scriptures, we, we learn more about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that the king is ushering in, that where there is greed, there might be generosity. That where there's poverty, there might be abundance. That where there's abuse, there might be safety. That where there's disconnection, there would be deep relational connection. That where racism exists, that there might be racial unity, that where there's injustice, there might be justice, that where there's death, there might be resurrection. It's the kingdom of God, both the word and the deed. It changes our ethics. It changes what we love. It changes our attitude, our behavior, our motives. The gospel changes everything. And in some of these appointments that I've had, I was able to learn and, you know, I, I often lead with the fact that I'm a pastor and I'm asking for their time. And what that sometimes has led to are just conversations uh, where I get to hear just different opinions that these people will have about Christianity or the church. And some of them, rightly so, and I wouldn't fault them at all. And some of them, I've, I've heard that these misconceptions that, that people have had um, that so often, you know, just get reinforced by the church, that get reinforced by, by me occasionally, that I've, I've heard, you know, thoughts of just, well, Christianity, isn't it just, you know, simply this ticket to heaven, uh, this ticket to heaven when you die, or this, this kind of get out of hell, you know, insurance card? And I've just heard kind of thoughts and other misconceptions about Christianity as well. And I'm just reminded again, even just looking here at this text, is that in Christianity, we, we believe that, that God has come to dwell with us in the here, in the now. And that yes, Christianity does mean that the promises of the scriptures, that the promises of the resurrection that we sang about at the beginning of the service, yes, it does mean that where there is death, there can be resurrection. Yes, it does mean that. But also, God cares about our present, the here and the now. God cares about this time today. He cares about our struggle with sin. He cares about the way that the sinful human heart has corrupted society. And so friends, when we think about this marriage of word and deed, the church has this opportunity to make this credible witness that Christianity is extremely relevant to the here and the now. That it's not just concerned with with the afterlife, but it's actually making a difference right now. I mean, you might have heard of just the stories of uh, in, in the third century, there were plagues that were kind of sweeping through the Roman Empire. And uh, the Roman leaders had looked and observed the Christians that were there. And they, they, they saw that the Christians in, that, in the Roman Empire were actually caring for their own 
and they were caring for not their own, other Roman citizens, and they were caring for them better than the Roman leaders could. It was just this credible witness. And we've heard stories all the time that make national news of churches just raising all kinds of of funding and and money to support uh, adoption efforts. A credible witness, this marriage of word and deed. And so here's, here's the application for this morning. It's kind of twofold. So what does this mean for us today? How do, we, how do we kind of land the plane this morning? And I'm going to say this. The text calls us, so do something, do something, but realize you can't do everything. So do something, but you can't do everything. So do something. How has the compassion of Christ shaped you? When you look out and you see this world that's not the way it's supposed to be, what is it that breaks your heart? Where is it that you see the compassion of Jesus welling up inside you? Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that when you look out in the world or in your city or on your street and on your block. What do you want to see changed? Is there food insecurity? Is there, is there racial, racial unrest? Are there shut-ins who are lonely? Do you have a heart to see marriages and families flourish? What is it? How has the compassion of Christ shaped you? And I just want to encourage you, this, this can feel so overwhelming. Where do I even begin? But just start small. Start small. Small is beautiful. Small is wonderful. My church right now is not even having Sunday worship services yet. We just meet in my home and it is wonderful. It is beautiful. So start small and start with the people around you. Be curious about what is going on when your, when your coworker comes in and is just having just a really rough morning. They might snap at you or say something that they regret. Like, what is going on with that person? Or the neighbor that you haven't see, excuse me, seen in months. Like, what would it look like to just to come and knock on their door and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, how's it going? You know, what would it look like to just develop this curiosity for people that are, that are right already in your life. So begin with the people around you. Start small, but also recognize that you can't do everything. You and Dahai don't have the resources, the time, or the energy. And, and I think that what can happen is we can, uh, we can try to, we can, we can try to do so many things, but, but recognize that as we're kind of, as we, as we come to, to serve, that you can't do everything. We are not all-knowing. We are not all-powerful, right? And God isn't calling us to be omniscient or omnipotent, right? He's calling us to trust him and to follow him. So you can't do everything. This takes, this takes some discernment of, well, what will I do then? If I can't do everything, what will I do? This takes some discernment. It takes thinking and praying through in your, your community groups, your city groups, asking people to, to pray for you and help you discern what this looks like. So do something, but you can't do everything. 
It's both the beautiful, uh, the beauty and the brokenness that, that the Lord has used to grow my heart to desire to see Kissimmee flourish, to desire to see the kingdom of God made visible more and more. And one of the, the, the kind of pivotal convictions behind my wife and I moving from central Ohio to central Florida is that because we believe that wherever people look in their life or society and they, they see that something is off, that something's not right, that it's the kingdom of God that they're looking for. That's one of the pivotal just kind of pillar convictions that has brought us across the country. And it's our prayer that Jesus, that he would heal the brokenness in our city, that he would heal the brokenness that exists beginning with with my human heart, that he would continue to work in and through me and he would actually turn he would actually turn my ethics and the city into something beautiful. And it's the only, the only way that any of this is possible is because the scriptures are true. Because Jesus was broken for you and me. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Jesus, he moved towards the hurting, the sinful, the broken. And he offered up himself for them. That we might have forgiveness of sins. Even those sins, friends, that we are just too ashamed to confess or to admit. If you think of those deepest, darkest secrets that you have that you are too scared to admit, Jesus died for those sins. That you can have forgiveness for those sins. That Jesus would take people who are enemies toward him and make us children of him. And that Jesus would, he would rise again from the dead, proving that where there is death, there can be life. Jesus, time and time again throughout the scriptures, just shows us this beautiful marriage of word and deed, of what the power of Jesus is able to do in taking what is broken and turning it into something beautiful. Let's pray.